I want to take you to the book of Hebrews, the 11th chapter. While you're turning there, I'm going to begin reading with verse number 23. In preparation for my thoughts tonight, I was able to catch a little bit of the memorial service of President Bush today, and I was moved by many of the things that were said about him from both sides of the aisle, Democrat and Republican. He defined an era of our political system that valued our country more than an individual's position. If you study history, you will find that that is the only reason we survived the Civil War. President Lincoln, when he became president, assembled around him his cabinet. His cabinet consisted of all of the men that had opposed him in his presidential bid. It was a team of rivals. And yet he was able to bring them together for the greater cause of our country. And he made a statement, something along the lines that he was not for or against an issue. He was working to save the union, our country. And I'm grateful that we've had men like that. But I was... As I listened to all of those great things that were said about President Bush by different people, I, I, I realized that in a way they were defining him, who he was, his character, what made him so beloved by so many, and what has etched his name in our memories. And then I looked across the room and I saw pair of shoes that I had brought from my father-in-law's closet after he passed. And I have them on tonight. I hope he can inspire me to preach to you a little bit along with the Lord. But I thought of all the things that defined who he was and what he became and what he meant to us. And I, I feel like perhaps the Lord would like to talk to us about what needs to define us tonight. Hebrews chapter 11, verse number 23, says, By faith Moses, when he was born, was hid three months by his parents, because they saw he was a proper child. And they were not afraid of the king's commandment. By faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season esteeming the reproaches of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. For he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. By faith he forsook Egypt, 
not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Through faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, lest he that destroyed the firstborn should touch them. By faith they passed through the Red Sea as by dry land, which the Egyptians assayed to do, but were drowned. By faith, and he goes on to take you into the promised land, but for the sake of time I will cease reading there. I want to go back to verse number 24 and verse 25 and draw your attention. The scripture says that by faith Moses refused. And then it goes on to say choosing rather. I want to talk to you about refusing and choosing. Amen. Say that with me. Refusing and choosing. I saw something here today that inspired me. The faith, this kind of faith that is mentioned here will protect you against the things that would try to harm you. It was his faith and his acting upon that faith that put a, a protection around Israel so that when the death came into Egypt, it would not touch them. It could not touch them. I want to talk to you about something that is so powerful that it can put a barrier around your life and Harm, death cannot harm you. Death cannot touch you. And not only that, but it will empower you to go through things that other people will drown in. Choosing and refusing, or refusing and choosing. Everybody said amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Life is very much like an hourglass, and each hour that passes shifts that glass. The sands of time trickle through it. The world, like that glass, is perpetually turning and changing, changing and turning. And daily there come into our lives hundreds of things that affect us in some measure. And we have to choose daily from among these many things that rise up before us what will define our lives. Our life is a coordination of selecting and rejecting. If you listen to the modern pulpit, you would come to think that the gospel is only this wonderful positive affirmation 
And you would not understand that it's far more than just an affirmation. It is also a denial. It is a rejection. The myriad of influences that come to us every day have to be sifted through. And they exert on us a certain pressure. And we have to appropriate some of them, use some of them, choose some of them, and refuse the others. And by our choices, everybody say by our choices, we define our lives presently and more importantly for the future. If I could say anything as a pastor to some people, I would want to caution them to not be blind to the future and not allow the intoxicating influences of the present to numb them to what that choice could result in. I am convinced tonight that many people's futures are soured in the present moment because they do not properly weigh the decisions that are in their hands at the moment. And at the moment, it doesn't look like that big a deal. But when you look to the future... It makes a world of difference. Amen. I'm not real smart, but I have tried to study a little bit about science and and how we have been able to maneuver a a a, a, a vessel from this earth and the gravitational pull of this earth. And put it on the moon and then see pictures that are sent back. And even though some people don't believe it really happened, uh, I do believe it happened. And I may be the most deceived person in the world, but I really do believe somebody stepped on the moon. Whatever the case may be, what I've come to understand is that there are certain issues that have to constantly be dealt with. I asked my Brother Charles, who used to work at NASA early on when he came to Houston, a little bit about the, at that time, uh, it was the capsule that later became the shuttle. And he said, <clears throat> I asked him, I said, how, when that, when that vessel is rocketed out, uh, from Cape Canaveral, how does it stay on course? combating all of the the conflicting winds and the upper currents of the atmosphere? How does it stay on course? And once it gets into that, gra- the, 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 or it moves out of the pull of gravity and it moves into that realm of drifting, how does it maintain itself and continue to move toward its target? And he said, it's very simple that there were multiple engines uh, on that uh, craft that had the ability to turn and swivel. They call it gimbal. And 
They were always mindful of of the track that it was taking when it was going out of space because it had to stay within a certain window of uh, of degrees right or left. And if it were to venture a little bit too far to the left, those engines would fire and they would turn and they would correct the vessel so it would eventually reach its orbit and it would reach its destination. And I come to understand in that moment uh, a very powerful and staggering fact that that right here, Right here. Everybody say right here. I can only be a fraction, a hair, if you want to use that terminology, a hair of an inch off. But by the time I reach the moon, I could be a mile away from my destination. You see, many of the decisions that people make in life are based on the moment. Right now. And right now can often blind us to where that's going to take us and where is this going to end up and where will, more importantly, where will I end up? And right now we say, I don't see what the big deal it is. I don't see how important that is. I mean, I... I'm not really, I haven't gone that far away. I'm not really that far off base. Anybody ever heard that statement before? I haven't changed that much. Oh, this is the best one. I still believe what I've always believed. What happened is, They made decisions at a moment that they didn't weigh out the long-term trajectory. And they didn't look far enough down the road and they didn't look through the right lens to see where is this taking me? If I make this decision, if I go in this direction, how is that going to affect the outcome? Because I don't want to be blind in the present and then be surprised in the future. And I'm talking, I, I'm talking tonight to a lot of good people that wouldn't intentionally do something wrong. And yet all of us have the capacity to be off just a little bit every once in a while. And we think that's no big deal. And then we wonder why the preacher gets up and preaches with such fervor and passion. And we wonder what kind of bird did he have under his saddle? And the truth of the matter is, he doesn't have a burr, but he's a watchman that stands on the wall and he sees a little further than you can see from your perspective. And not only that, but the Lord allows him to see something that you don't see and you cannot see perhaps in the moment. But if you would just trust the word of the Lord, the word of the Lord is going to do you good. It's not going to do you harm. That's one thing I've never understood about people. The word of God is not sent to hurt me. It's sent to help me. Amen. It often has to correct me. But even in my correction, it's for my good. God's not a God that just beats up his kid just because he's mean. He's not abusive like some people in this world are that just do it for meanness sake. 
If he corrects me, he corrects me because he loves me. Amen. I've heard the story and the illustration. I'm sure you have too. That if if you had a a, a small child, a toddler in the house, and and you were in the kitchen cooking, and and the stove was earned on, and the burners were hot, and and they began to reach for that 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 burner, you wouldn't step back and say, "Oh, how cute." Oh, look, they're using their motor skills. You would slap that hand and knowing it would bring tears. But why did you do it? You did it because you loved them. And you wanted them to be kept from harm. And many times... That's what the word of God, but it doesn't come to us to hurt us. It always comes to us to help us and to make us better. And if I could say anything tonight that would help any of you, I think one of the things that I, when I consider my own father-in-law, the thing that impressed me the most is that at an early age, not being raised in a, in, in, in this way, but when he came to the Lord and he gave his heart and life to him. He began to operate under a different influence and there were many, many sacrifices that he made for the sake of righteousness and right that if he had gone the other direction might have given him more financial means and a greater place of power. But he looked down the road through eyes of faith and he said, that's not where I want my family to end up. And so he chose this path and I'm so thankful tonight that he did. Amen. Everybody say refusing, choosing. Amen. One of the greatest bits of wisdom that a man ever shared with me was to, in my life, make decisions that make decisions for me. Now, I want you to digest that. Some of you have heard me say that before, but I want you to digest it. You make decisions that make decisions for you. There's some things that... In my life, I don't have to worry or wonder about am I going to or am I not? Because I made a decision already that covers that. And so when I come to that juncture in life, I'm not in limbo. The problem with a lot of folks are that they've never made that choice that makes choices for them. Amen. Moses becomes a great teacher at this point. He becomes a great illustration of life principles that can help us live a blessed life and the best life to, to, to say it in the right way. His life illustrates how the best uh, things, the best choices, how to best face the choices, I should say, that are before you how to best approach those and what not to get caught up in and what not to be deceived by and what to embrace and what to identify yourself by. What I believe he teaches us in his life is where real happiness is found, where real peace comes from, 
where real joy is found, where satisfaction, it's all wrapped up in what we choose and in what we refuse. Amen. He was hidden as a child by his parents because they saw he was an unusual child. He was educated and trained by the best teachers in Egypt. He had at his disposal the opportunities that all of that entailed. A throne, a crown, riches, and all that goes with that. I I was amazed when I looked at that and, and considered all that was at his disposal and was within his reach and 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 when he came to age when it was time for him to move into his position and really begin to enjoy the power and the influence and the pleasures of the place where he was the bible said that he chose rather Amen. He chose rather. He refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to share the oppression instead of enjoying the fleeting pleasures of sin for a season. He, he thought it better to suffer for Christ's sake than to own Egypt's treasures. He chose the hard life over the opportunistic life. You ever been around people that were just opportunistic? They didn't have any character. They didn't have any bottom to their life. They didn't have any soul to their life. They were just looking for the next best trick to turn and the next opportunity that would have. And, and they come in and they come in with great flamboyance and a lot of bang and noise and and glitter and and they draw a lot of people's attention and you you watch them and you wonder how did they get where they are and it's simply because they're they're opportunistic they know how to seize the moment and they know how to make it work for their good now it doesn't matter who they step on in the process or who they hurt when they go through the process they just they're more interested in opportunity than the real life that leads to blessedness He valued the payoff of suffering over the payoff of the world's wealth. That amazes me. He valued suffering more important than all of the insulating factor that wealth. Just think about all the things you could do if you were rich right now. Just think about all the things you wouldn't have to do right now if you were wealthy. You wouldn't have had to cook supper tonight. You wouldn't have had to clean your house today. You wouldn't have had to driven your own car. You had enough money. You could have people go buy your clothes. You could have them do all of your parties and you just show up for the ball. Now tell me that's not intoxicating. Tell me that wealth doesn't have an appeal. Tell me that money isn't power. And we're all human. Hey, I'd like a little more. I'm not asking God to take it away. I'm asking him to pour it on.
And Moses had come to age. He was at that point of moving into his kingdom. And it was at that moment that he realized there's more at stake here than what I realized. There's, this is more than about me. You understand that tonight? That your decisions, your choices are more than just about you? There's other people around you. There's children. There's grandchildren. There's friends. There's people you don't even know are watching you. And it was in that moment that Moses began to see clearly. He began to see the things as they ought to be. And he saw life in a way he had not seen it until that moment. And he, in that moment, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. And he chose the hard life over the opportunistic life. Amen. He valued the payoff of suffering more than the payoff of the world's wealth. He turned his heels on Egypt and was indifferent to the king's blind rage against him. He had eyes on the right things, not the glittering things. Amen. And he kept on going, one translation said. My question is, how did he do that? How did he resist that intoxicating influence? How did he reject the lure of the throne? I mean, think about it, church. If you could sit on the throne of Egypt, And your word was life and death. Just think about the company that you work for. What if you were the head honcho? What if you had the opportunity to go all the way to the presidency? I don't think you'd want that right now in our climate. But anyway, that's a good thought. was a good thought at one time. What if you could surpass Bill Gates, Warren Buffett? Everybody look to you as the oracle of Omaha, the oracle of Houston, the oracle of Paraland. That is the oracle of League City. That gets even more ridiculous. That every word you said carried such weight that the stock market would fluctuate if you said something a little negative about a company. That's where Moses was. That's what he had the opportunity to have. You see, we, we read the Bible and it's so, we read it so antiseptically. We don't get the real pull of the issues that were going on in the world and in his own life and where he was at. We just say, we read, he refused. We just move right on. But what did he refuse? How did he refuse the power? I mean, wouldn't you like for, I know some mothers would like this, the power that when you said a word, everybody in the kingdom obeyed it? Or on your job? If you said the word, 
they snapped to attention and they started doing? Tell me that you would not be impressed by the title, King of the World. Amen. That sounds better than to be the lottery winner. Amen. How do you, how do you, how do you do that? Was it skill? Was it just sheer willpower? Was it wisdom, learning? I mean, he had been at the greatest colleges of Egypt. He had learned from the very best. According to Acts 7 and 22. But it was none of those. The fact is, it was not skill or learning or wisdom, but it was faith that empowered him to do what he did. Faith. Think about that. The principle of faith that shaped his life. And molded him into the influential man that he would become and the leader of millions through an arduous journey through the wilderness. All of it began by faith. Amen. Wasn't the instinct of his nature. He didn't do it because of blood relations. He didn't do this because he was related to those Jews. Grace does not run in the bloodline, folks. Not in your bloodline. It runs in his bloodline, but not in my bloodline. But faith is something that every soul can reach out and take hold of and embrace. And in doing so, it will so impact their lives that it will turn them. And it will be that that gimbling motor that will continue as they make their way through life. And this wind hits and that wind hits and this pressure comes and that pressure comes. It will help keep them on course so they reach their destination. Isn't that what you're interested in tonight? Amen. I don't want to live this life in vain. I want one day for the Lord to say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I'm going to make you ruler over many things. Amen. Now, I need to hurry on. It was by this faith that he was enabled to make powerful, life-changing decisions that affected not only his life, but the lives of millions of others. And we too have that same power within our reach by the decisions that we make. The power of such faith is seen clearly in our text. I love to read from the Amplified Bible, so if you'll give me Permission. I just very quickly want to go back to verse 23, and I'm going to read from the Amplified Bible. And I'll tell you when I move from verse to verse, but it said verse 23, where it says in the King James, by faith, in the, the Amplified, the old classic Amplified Bible, it says, prompted by faith, 
Moses, after his birth, was kept concealed for three months by his parents because they saw how comely the child was and they were not overawed and terrified by the king's decree. 24. Aroused by faith, Moses, when he had grown to maturity and become great, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Verse 25. Because... He preferred to share the oppression, suffer the hardships, and bear the shame of the people of God rather than to have the fleeting enjoyment of a sinful life. 26. He considered the contempt and abuse and shame born for Christ, the Messiah who was to come, to be greater wealth than all the treasures of Egypt, for he looked forward, he looked forward and away toward or to the reward or the recompense. Verse 27, motivated by faith, he left Egypt behind him, being unawed and undismayed by the wrath of the king, for he never flinched, but held staunchly to his purpose and endured steadfastly as one who gazed on him who is invisible. 28, by faith, simple trust and confidence in God, he instituted and carried out the Passover and the sprinkling of blood on the doorpost so that the destroyer of the firstborn, the angel, might not touch those of the children of Israel. And verse 29 says, Urged on by faith, the people crossed the Red Sea as though on dry land. But when the Egyptians tried to do the same, they were swallowed up by it. Amen. I want you to notice the different things that faith does. First of all, he said it prompted him. Everybody say prompted. Prompted. Come on, say it like you mean. Prompted. Amen. That means it empowered him. Then it goes on to say at other times, it aroused him. Faith sometimes does more than just prompt. It provokes you. It awakens you, it stirs you up. But it didn't stop there. It goes on and another time the Bible said faith motivated him. It encouraged, it inspired, it stimulated, and still yet another time the Bible said it urges him. It impels, it's a driving force in his life that presses him in that direction. I don't know about you, but I need that kind of faith in my life. I need that kind of multi-inspirational faith. Because there's times I need something to prompt me. And there's times I need it to arouse me. And there's times I need it to motivate me. And there's times I need it to urge me. All toward the goal and toward the divine purpose for which God has called me. And if I will simply lay hold of that faith, it will do more for thee than anything else that I know of. His faith enabled him to see things in a better light. Amen. That's a very important point that I need to drive down and break over in your heart right now. Faith, true faith will enable you to see things in a better light. Not guided by senses, but by the soul. He saw the vanity of the transitory nature of things and he renounces them. 
He said, that's not what I'm going to identify my life. I'm not going to let that identify me. He saw the reality and righteousness and essentiality and worth of things that he embraced. And all through eyes of faith, he was able to look a little further down the road. You know, it's amazing, but I could take you outside tonight and I could ask you to tell me what you see. And most of you would define a night, perhaps if it's still clear, with stars here and there. And you'll see some lights, but nothing, nothing compared to what's really there. Because your eyes are limited. But if I were to give you a telescope, a, 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 a giant telescope to look at that same sky, oh, a world of difference, a world of things that are open to us, and we become, oh, I didn't know that was, I didn't see that. That's what faith does in our life. It allows us to see beyond the natural. It somehow allows us to see into the distance, into the future. Where is this taking me? Where will this lead to? What is this going to make of me? And allow us in seeing that outer air. That's what I want to be or no, that's not what I want to be. And that's what happened with Moses. His faith gave him a vision that could see beyond just, and I've said it before, I was the intoxicating influence of present things. Amen. You're really quiet tonight. I'm either doing really good or I'm boring you to death. I can't tell which one right now. And it was this faith that empowered him to choose and to make choices. What are the influences That are influencing. What are the principles that are influencing your choices tonight? Amen. In our scripture text, we find what principles ought to influence our decision making. Faith enables us. Number one, to value the true wealth of life. I know a lot of people that have sold their soul for a dollar. I know people that have left churches and gone across the United States to other parts of the world for, quote, unquote, a better job and a bigger payday. Only to see their families lose out with God and they themselves become lost. Now, I ask you a question. Was that a wise move? Now, I'm not saying that those choices are all bad. I'm just saying that we better look further down the road than just a few more dollar signs and a few more dollars in our bank account. There better be something other than that defining our life and who we are and where we are. Because if we're not careful, we can come under the wrong influence and we can allow those things that impress our flesh. But they're not necessarily good for our spirit to be the determining factor of what we do in our life. And his faith enabled him to value the true wealth. 
And folks, when I say that, you have to understand that he was just coming into his kingdom. He was just now being exposed. He, he was just coming to that moment in his life when the when when the the treasuries of Egypt were being opened and said, "Hey, this is yours. This is what this is. This is all yours." And yet he could say no to that and choose something that would lead him down a completely different path that most people. In, in in the humanistic mind would say that was the dumbest mistake I think they've ever made. Was it really? Amen. Amen. Faith enables us to see further than we would otherwise. And it's important that when we're looking at life, we're looking through that lens because that's the only true lens that will help us see the real value of where that thing will lead us. Amen. He refused to let seasonal pleasure define eternal values. He refused to let seasonal issues overshadow eternal things. Number two, he refused to be called. I love that. He, the word called means to say over, to speak over, to name. You need to be careful what you let speak over your life. You better be careful what labels Life tries to put on you. And he refused. He said, you're not, you're not putting that name on, you're not putting that tag on me. I'm not a, I, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna disagree with a lot of wise people right now. And I can be shut down by the media. I don't really care. But I do not agree with, with, with the philosophy of certain, uh, uh, institutions that are trying to help people overcome addictions in their life and they stand up and have to stand up at the beginning of every meeting and begin that meeting by saying, I am an alcoholic. I am a drug addict. Listen to me. If you are in Christ Jesus, you are a new creature. You are a new creation. And so don't allow the world to lay that name on you and say that's what you are. You are not that. You are a redeemed, blood-bought, blood-covered, forgiven, loved, and cherished child of God. Amen. He refused. What we allow to speak into our lives most often controls our lives. Be careful what you let speak into your life. He refused. I love that. He refused. He separated himself from some things so that he could identify himself with other things. Faith enables us to make right estimates of seasonal issues. Amen. I I wish I knew how to expound on that. But I can tell you as a pastor, I've seen a lot of shipwrecks over seasonal issues. 
I've seen a lot of breakups and breakdowns and mistakes made over seasonal issues. Amen. And faith empowered him to see beyond the season to the future. And to see beyond the present to what was to come. And faith enabled him to see beyond the temporal to the eternal. Amen. And so by doing that, he could choose affliction over pleasure. That doesn't even make sense to us. I mean, why would anybody want to put themselves in an environment of suffering when I mean, pleasure, everything you want is yours. Because he saw that was a season and seasons end. Seasons change. If you don't believe that, go ask the last president. Amen. And go ask Mr. Trump when he runs again for president what could happen. Seasons change. People's ideas, people's philosophies, people's desires, people's uh, whatever. All of seasons change. But principles remain. And if you and I can base our life not on a season, but on a principle, not on what's happening in the present, but what God has spoken about my life and my future. And no matter what my present moment might say, God said something different about the outcome. And if I'll just follow him and I'll walk with him and I'll be faithful to him, he will reverse the season. And he said he will wipe away all tears from your eyes. Amen. I'm going to take away all the remembrance of that former life. So that you can enjoy your future heaven. Amen. He didn't let, I like this, buckle your seatbelt. Pull it up tight. Dig your heels in. Grab your pew or your chair. He didn't let money. He didn't let position. He didn't let power influence his decision. Amen. How many of our decisions are based on the wrong criteria? I'm going to say it. You might not like me after I say it, but I'm going to say it. How many decisions are based or are financially driven, not spiritually based? I'm not saying that God doesn't want to bless you financially. I'm just saying that you better check the spiritual outcome. Because wouldn't you rather go to heaven with a little less so that one day you can have a whole lot more? than to have a whole lot here and have nothing then? Am I just talking in the dark tonight? 
I'm here to tell you right now, I'm willing, I would rather give up a little bit here because of what's coming. And I do believe there's a recompense of reward. I do believe that it's going to pay to serve God and live for God. I don't believe what we're doing here is vain. Some people call it a waste of time. Why come to church on a Wednesday night? One time a week is good enough. I'm just here to tell you that whatever I do right now is going to be well worth it in the future because one of these days there's going to come a trumpet that's going to sound and when it sounds I want to have the right stuff in my life that will help me move to that other world. Let's stand together. I'm going to shut up. Amen. Praise God. So this is what I want you to go home with tonight. I'm, I'm trying to hurry past a bunch of stuff. If you and I are going to be winners at this thing called life, we must look at the whole and not the part. Amen. Number two, we're going to have to learn how to sacrifice the present for the future. We're going to have to learn to value principle over pleasure, godliness over gold, worth over wealth, character over reputation, eternal over immediate. Number four. Our life needs to be defined by this, that the favor of God is vastly more important than the favor of man. Amen. Amen. By faith, Moses, when he was come of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Choosing rather. I think he made a right choice. You know how I know that? Because even though some people say, well, you know what? His life really ended in failure. No, it didn't. (laughs) You're looking at temporary. Well, well, didn't he die? Didn't he didn't get to go in the promised land? That's right. He did die before they went in the promised land. He was buried on the mountain. At least part of him was. But travel on into the New Testament and go to the Mount of Transfiguration. And lo and behold, there he is again, alive and well. And he's conversing with the Lord. I think that's pretty exalted to me. (laughs) Ah, yeah. He didn't lose anything. He might have, he, he might have missed something in the moment, but because he had let his life be defined by the right kind of thing, by the faith that empowered him, that urged him, that motivated him, challenged him, he was able to turn his back on some things and move toward others.
I watched my dad do that. My father-in-law should say, I watched my dad do that. They didn't value some things that others valued, but what they did value means the world tonight. Amen. I'm so thankful that I have a heritage that has taught me how to live by faith. Man, I think some of us need to work on that because we might be living by something other than faith right now. Some of us may be living by opportunity or by the next best opportunity. And that may be good and it may not be good. Only time will tell, but I will tell you this, that if you'll start looking at life through the lens of faith, it'll let you see things that you couldn't see otherwise with your natural eyes. You, you, you couldn't see any harm in it through the natural eye, but when you look through the eyes of faith, you see it's flawed. It's, 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 it's not what it's made up to be. It's like the Marlboro man. You see on that billboard, the the old Marlboro man was this massive, muscular man of men. But you don't see the backside of it when he's a shriveled up, dying man that cancer has eaten away. And he's not even identifiable now because of what his choice has done to him. None of those billboards usually show you the other side. But there is another side. Amen. I just want to make sure that when I get to the other side, I like the outcome. <laughs> Amen. Ah, uh, yes. And so if I have to say no to some things right now, that's all right. If I have to deny some things right now, if I have to refuse some things right now, it's not going to hurt me to say no to some stuff. Man, praise God. Reach over and take somebody by the hand. Let's pray together. Holy Ghost, we love you tonight. We're grateful for your blessings on our life. We're grateful for the faith that you have inspired in all of us. The faith that you have put in all of us. That little, that that measure of faith that you have put in us. Help us to utilize it. Help us to use it wisely. Help us, Lord, to understand the value of that faith that you have put in us. That little measure of faith, if we will use it right and we will use it properly, it will grow into a great faith and it will produce great results. Oh, help us tonight, God, to let our life be defined by the right things. Hallelujah. 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 Amen. Amen. I love the words of the old song, Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus. Just to take Him at His word. Just in simple faith. Just in simple faith. Amen. Simple faith. Amen. That's what I want to live by. Just that simple faith. I love you tonight. Thank you for being here. I hope you'll go home and get the word out and dig in it a little deeper this week and say, Lord, open my eyes to the things that really matter. Amen. Amen. God bless you tonight. You're dismissed in the name of the Lord. Praise God.